It's interesting that Parky mentioned those um, those guys this morning. Um, you know, Joshua Harris of the I Kiss Dating Goodbye fame, and uh, what was the other day? Marty Sampson from Pop Worship Hillsong. Um, those guys just really struggling with their faith or, or falling away or denouncing Christianity as a whole. Um, I, don't, I don't want to go into, you know, the whys and wherefores of all that because there's been so many articles and blogs and everything written about it. But um, it did get me thinking a little bit because, um, like, got me thinking of my childhood and the friends and people that I grew up with. Um, we had like pretty much the same upbringing. A lot of us, we all grew up in sort of similar sort of church, and a lot of my friends, you know, they'd proudly claim Jesus, the name of Jesus as King, over their lives. Um, some of us were even baptized together, but some, um, some, you know, they're like kicking severe Jesus Kingdom goals, like just really charging on. But then some have just gone like a completely opposite way. And just running at sort of odds, right angles maybe to Jesus, the way Jesus um, would have a good flourishing life to run. Um, do any of you guys have similar experiences like that? Yeah. No, of those sorts of people in your life? Uh, you know, those peers around you that, you know, high-fived you or hugged you or, you know, if you grew up in like a tightly conservative kind of church like me, just like awkward side <laughs> hug around the shoulders. You know, those kind of people. Um, when you when you said you were following Jesus and they they were um, you know they were in your corner and they were loving on you and everything and that then you know through the gift in air quotes of social media you see what they're doing now and things are just falling right away. Um, so anyway, that's what I've been thinking about lately, uh, and I've been doing a bit of this sort of thinking kind of thing while I do the most banal of um, house reno tasks. Just these ones. Or these ones, just painting, carrying on. Um, I look like this while I'm doing it, like. (laughs) But in my head, my cogs are turning. I'm just, I'm I'm thinking about these things. And I've been reading Matthew 13. And I sort of, like, as I was just reading through, um, you know, I tried to read through the Old Testament and the New Testament concurrently. And sometimes you just get to a point and you're just like, there's a lot here. And I've got to stay here for a while. So that's sort of where I've been with Matthew 13, maybe for like a month, probably. Um, so I know this is probably, I've discussed it with Adrian, this is probably going to throw our preaching topics way out, like the whole rethinking thing. But um, I'm going to ask your forgiveness if this has little to no cohesion with the rethinking things. Although we could probably, as I say in Epaki, we could um, tie this into rethinking. We could re- call it rethinking like your hearing posture. Not that there is any sort of physio-approved way of getting in the right ergonomic sort of position to hear properly, but I'm thinking more about the heart posture that we have, like towards hearing God's word. And it's going to tie in great to what Jenny was um, talking about, you know, when we were going around in prayer and share time, um, around being open to what the word has to say to us and letting it sink deep within us and actually changing parts of our lives. So that's where we want to go today. So we're going to look at this through a simple yet deeply complex story that Jesus told of a farmer going out and throwing seed out over the different soil types in his field. So jump into your Bibles 
And this is Matthew 13, as I said. And we'll start reading from verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. So when it says that same day, this is the same day about the, from in the previous chapter where it's talking about, you know, these, these people come to Jesus and they say, yeah, your family's chasing you. And he says, who's, who's my family? These guys are around. These guys that do the will of the Father, yeah, that's my family. So this is that same day. Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other, thing, other seeds sorry, fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay. So let's start out with that, tackle that first thing. Jesus sits down, he speaks to them in parables. So what's a parable? Story. story. That's good, Noz. A simple story? Yeah, exactly. It's a picture story. That's right, Nadine. For teaching. For teaching, that's right, babe. Yep. Sorry, Camille. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just weird. Yeah, that is weird. No, that's right, babe. Exactly. So it's kind of like this shallow sort of basic story um, but underneath it's just got this really deep metaphorical meaning okay on the on the surface level it just seems like really straightforward it's just like well that's just a story cool story bro kind of thing okay but deep down it, it's got these deeper meanings that challenge us to look at life differently in light of that deeper meaning make sense cool all right so if you are to hear a parable and you're to just let it mull over and over in your mind, sort of say it's like, a, like it's in a, rotating around in a big drum and it's just little bits of it are breaking off and you're mulling over it and you're mining all, the in, all those interesting bits out of it. Um, as you're doing that, you sort of have this uh, sort of doubting discomfort about what the parable is really saying to you. It's strange. And then out of that, it sort of draws your mind into this, um, the deeper secrets of that parable. As, as you sort of contemplate it more and more, it just seems to have more and more to it. That's my understanding of them anyway. Sort of seems to be how they work for me. So anyway, this surface story that Jesus is telling, um, this surface level story, it is super basic, okay? These guys, this culture, um, wasn't very far removed from farming, okay? They're a pretty hand-to-mouth kind of culture, pretty agrarian. Farming wasn't this sort of thing that was done by, you know, um, like it is today, where we sort of live in cities and we buy food from a supermarket and farms happen by big corporates out on big multi-million um, acre kind of blocks of land with multi-million dollar machinery. Rick's smiling because he knows the size of some of these things. It wasn't like that, okay? You could be walking through um, wherever 
and you'd see, oh, there's a farm there, Mr. and Mrs. What's-her-name's pot of land, and they're making, you know, they're farming wheat, and these guys over here are doing cucumbers, and you know, whatever. It was really, really part of their everyday life. So Jesus telling a story about a soul is not a big deal, right? It's pretty basic. And if Jesus was to say, um, and like the outcome of this parable is, you know, seeds don't grow on hard soil, birds eat them, um, seeds sort of grow in shallow soil but then they die and seeds don't grow well within um, weeds but seeds grow well in good soil yeah. no dirt you know what I mean like if Jesus was saying that to like a 1890s audience because we probably had the generational talk this morning he would be like no dirt Jesus you know of course they do of course seeds grow well in good soil it's not a hard story. It's so basic. It's so completely normal and it's not extraordinary to the people around. But Jesus ends the whole parable with this little <coughs> phrase and you might be familiar with it from our Revelation series because Jesus repeats it a lot of times through his letters to the seven churches. How does he end? Yeah. For those who didn't hear, he who has ears, let him hear. For those who didn't hear, is not in the thing. I was just saying that to everyone else because Rick and the Dean said, he who has ears, let him hear really quietly, okay? So, he who has ears, let him hear, all right? It's this really short little line at the end that's just to pique the interest of like, what's Jesus saying here? Like, he who has ears, let him hear. This story is just so basic. But what's, why is he saying that? And it draws us into this sort of understanding and draws us in like, what's he really saying? Is there more here? It's like piques our curiosity and our interest so that we jump into this here. It draws us in. It's a bit of a lure. What else is here that I'm actually missing? Why doesn't Jesus come out there and just spill the full truth? Or why doesn't he, why is he using all these parables at all? Like, what's with all this hiddenness? Why all the mystery of Jesus? And anyway, his disciples think the same thing. Let's keep reading verse 10. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. There's that word again, you know, overflowing, abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. All right? So Jesus is sort of um, explaining to his disciples here the fact that these, he's using these parables to reveal the true heart attitude or the hearing posture of the individual that's listening, okay? He's using, using these to, um, like the people that actually really want to listen in, they're going to get more and more out of it. They're going to be drawn in, they're going to lean in and listen more. Whereas those people that are hard towards Jesus and are just like, not really interested in him, they're just going to, it's just going to be in one ear and out the other, okay? It's just going to be this simple surface level story and they're not going to get anything out of it. Um, there's a really cool quote, and I should have, I can't reference the guy who said it, so I'm not sure whether I should say it, but 
Oh, I'm going to anyway. Um, it is, I, I, I remember reading it and I put it in my Evernote, but I didn't put the references, which is terrible. But um, this person who wrote this, he says, a parable conceals the truth from those who are either too lazy to think or too blinded by a hard heart to see. All right? So it's like if there's people that are actually interested and wanting to know more, the parable will sort of enlighten itself to them. Whereas people who are hard and who are just ignoring, and then they're just gonna, it's just gonna go right over their head, in one ear, out the other. So, to understand what Jesus is saying here, we've gotta have the right heart attitude, this right hearing posture. So just before we get into sort of looking at these soils, I just want us to have a moment where we just stop and we just pray. All of us, just individually, just spend some time praying. Just examine your own hearing posture. Do you want to hear what Jesus has to say here? Lord, please direct your seed at places in us that are soft and ready to receive that good word of your kingdom. We just go on here, Lord, looking at your word and trying to understand it and trying to apply it in our own lives. Would you help us with that, Lord, as we lean in, give us what we need to hear and what we need to understand. Amen. All right, let's go into our, the explanation of this parable. Jesus thankfully explains it for us, so we don't need to come up with all sorts of weird, twisted ways of interpreting it. Verse 18. Jesus starts out with, Hear then the parable of the sower. So Jesus is immediately saying to his disciples, Hey, you want to apprentice under me? You want to like... You want to be hearing what I'm saying here. Like you need to be focusing and concentrating on what I'm about to tell you because like if, if you're going to learn under me, here, here. What's your hearing posture like? Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right. Great modern day example of this with social media. You know, if you're, if you're on it, if you're not, then this is going to be a terrible illustration. Um, you know the times when you're, you find yourself, your social media feed, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or you know, whatever other ones are out there, you're scrolling through random updates, things, people trying to say different things, um, people screaming their opinion, companies trying to peddle their wares and you're just flicking through flicking through getting RSI in your thumb flicking through and you're just blankly scrolling blankly scrolling just right past posted links that you know essays that people have spent you know 
ages writing and you just flick straight past it like a posted link that someone really their desperate their heart cry is that you would read this article and you just straight past it like i'm not interested in that at all you don't care about these individuals you don't care about these organizations right that's the picture that's a similar picture as to what's happened here with this hard hard ground all right it's the word the good word of the kingdom comes to somebody and they just Ignore it. Straight away, just move on. It's just dismissed straight offhand, okay? Straight in one ear, straight out the other. I see this in myself sometimes with, and I just want to... I want to publicly praise her for doing it. I want to say, say thank you to Michaela for posting your Bible verses and things that you do all the time, okay? You do it often. But there's a hard part of me that flicks straight past that sometimes. That is me. That's, that's my hard ground. Hard against, you know, good word that Michaela's gone to good effort to put up. And I just go straight past. I'm just like, I, there's times when I'm in that hard place and I just, I just, for some reason, just go straight past. I'm just, it's one year out the other. It's like, I dismiss it offhandedly. Yeah, I probably know that verse or passage, whatever. Go straight past. That's what this looks like. Now, I can assume many of you guys are here under your own volition, okay? You, you get your own free will, jumped in your car, you came here. Some of you were probably dragged, maybe drag kicking and screaming. Some of you asked for a lift, though, which is still of your own volition. <laughs> you could have said you were sick, Nels. Um, uh, and so... There is a part of our lives that's probably not this hard ground. Like, we're still wanting to come here and learn. We're still wanting to come here and hang out with our brothers and sisters in Jesus. We just want to be here. But um, if you're here only because, like, your parents or your spouse or your friends or whatever are here, then um, I suppose the warning for this soil type is just to, just to examine your heart and make sure that, it is, that you really do want to um, develop good kingdom fruit in your life for Jesus' kingdom. Because Jesus' words here would be to listen in and just consider what areas of your life are hard to his good words. Where in your life is, is the, the good word of the kingdom not making any sort of impact? Where does it just, is it, is it in your marriage? Is it in your finances or something? Is the, is the seed just like going? Is it Jesus sowing the seed out and is it just hitting you and bouncing off? And then birds come and take it away. Just think about that for a second. Where in your life are you hard against Jesus' kingdom? Or are you completely hard against Jesus' kingdom? Let's keep on going on. Go to verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. All right, so we have a fire pit in our backyard. This is another picture to describe a picture. <laughs> Isn't that a bit lately, hey? 
We have a fire pit in our backyard. In the last school holidays, sort of the June, July ones, it never really cooled down. Get it, Mousy? It stayed warm the whole time. Like we were in the middle of sort of our major stage of the house renos. So there was, um, we were living out of three bedrooms, well, just three rooms really, our old lounge, which was a remarkably huge area to live in with three kids um, and two bedrooms and an ensuite. Happy days. Um, but we were in the middle of that and so there was not much room for the kids to run around with. All their, all their toys and stuff were all packed away and shared in boxes and things. So uh, we spent a lot of time in the backyard and um, all our kids, one in particular, inherited Camille's pyromaniac genes. <laughs> um, and we spent a lot of time sort of out around the fire pit. Um, the kids were playing with the fire, um, burning things, you know, throwing things in there. It's, yeah. Yeah, we're great parents, aren't we? <laughs> yes, oh, safely, exactly. They're very safe. We're full supervision all the time. Please don't call child services. <laughs> anyway, I have this bunch of, bunch of branches and things out in the, in, the drop, in the yard that I'd cut off trees or I was a hedge, I think, that I had to cut out just to make way for the extension area. And um, they, these leaves had dried, these branches were sitting there, they dried to a crisp. So it's just piles of dry leaves and different things there. And a little number one fire bug tore and he'd come out early in the morning, he'd just grab like a whole bunch of these leaves and just chuck them into like the embers, the coals from the previous night. And he's been taught really well. And he'd pile in a heap of them and then there'd be smoke, lots of smoke. And then, <laughs> and then we'd all be standing back, shielding our eyes. Like the heat was so, in, so intense. But then almost as quickly as it flares up, it was nothing again. Back to just embers. Nothing much there at all. So this is a picture sort of of what is going on in this soil. Right? It describes that sort of on fire, vibrant, new, exciting Christianity, which is great. And I wish we could all have that, and I wish Willowburn would have more of it. Um, that, you know, that initial real excitement that you have when you're first a Christian, when you're getting all the side hugs from your friends, you know, those ones. Um, it it's describes that, but. Not only that, it's, it's a person, it describes that in a person who is only fueled by the excitement of it all. Alright? So, like those leaves in the fire pit, they flare up, and then when the uninterested five-year-old just walks away and goes plays pirate ships in his cubby house or whatever, they just go back to nothing. Because he's never, he hasn't fed it in any way, he hasn't slowly worked it up to bigger and bigger bits of wood. Okay, so eventually... It just dies away. There's no interest in the long game. Now, for myself, now I was sharing with this with the guys on, on Friday afternoon, like, I saw this a little bit of myself in probably my preaching journey a little bit. Um, when I first started out, like, I was super hesitant. I was just like, oh, I can't do that up the front. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then I got sort of bullied, and so I did. <laughs> and then I found out I could could do it but um and people say yeah like you you're you're good at it you can you can do it and so i felt in myself like there was that that flame of excitement there and i was fueling myself on that that excitement of of being good at something and being able to do it um but i wasn't didn't have the right fuel source i didn't have a long-term fuel source 
okay? Um, and I sort of really went off the boil quickly. I don't know if it showed or not, like you guys are really gracious, but um, I, yeah, I was just, there was a time when I was, um, yeah, very disinterested in it all of a sudden. Like it was flared up and then I was very disinterested in it and now I'm, now I'm at the point where it's sort of, um, I, got, I realized that I need to invest long-term, I need to build myself up, I need to send roots deeper, I need to get into that, you know, that real living water of Jesus and I need to send my roots deeper. So that's the, um, that's the thing that this soil type doesn't have is that those deep roots, it's not grounded in that springs of you know, new life, giving water that Jesus um, calls himself and that Jesus is, okay? So for this type of soil, Jesus would say, listen up. Is your true source of excitement just doing something worthy and something right and something full of justice? Or is it just the good feelings that you get from it? Is that your fuel source? Why are you doing things? Or is your true source Jesus himself? The real living water that will sustain us long term. Let's go on, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, I've got this feeling that this soil type is probably where a lot of us could probably really relate. And in a lot of ways, I think it's probably the most dangerous because I think this one... You notice, like this soil type, the plant has grown and it's pretty much right until harvest time when you realise that there's no fruit there, okay? It fall, this soil type kind of falls at the last hurdle, all right? This is a particularly dangerous one, I think. It's only right at the end that things become obvious. So what's happened? This seed, the soil has, sorry, the seed has landed in this soil the soil is deep enough, um, there's water there, the plant has grown up, but it fails to bear any fruit because it's got tangled up in weeds. It's been choked out by weeds. And Jesus goes on, thankfully, thankful, I'm thankful for his explanation. He explains these weeds, he describes them as the anxieties of the world and the deception of wealth. All right? So this is a slight picture of strangling and like it's a, it's a slow death. It's, it's a struggling death. It's, it's a picture of um, com- competition over nutrients. It's a, um, I think it's a picture of like mixed up priorities and worries and distractions from the common things in life over the kingdom. So common things in life, like what is one of the things we all do? Most of us do pretty much every day of the week. We go to work. We go to the toilet as well. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Um, Work. Work is such a... It can be such a weed. It can be so choking. Friends. Career of that work. Politics. um, You know, society's progress or lack of or whatever. When we 
prioritize and we worry about these things over the kingdom of God, then this is a picture of weeds in a weedy soil, dirty soil full of weeds. Now, <laughs> these, I, I think we're, we're very quick to often say, to sort of throw in a disclaimer and say, oh, but these things are fine in their correct place. And I understand the sentiment in that. Like, yes, they are fine, but we need to be really careful. Like, I think often the time when we say, but these things are fine in their own, like in their right priority, a lot of the time when that's said, we hear, oh, that's okay. We can keep going on doing what we're doing. Like, that's okay to have these misplaced priorities. A lot of the time, that's sort of how it comes across, and that's how our mind processes it and rationalises it away. Um, but I think we should be really careful about these things because this is what Jesus is saying: is this this is weedy soil, and they lead to just a complete sort of distraction and just a lull into just a comatose sort of zombie-like state towards things of the kingdom. They really do. And my experience with this is in the last little while, um, I'll put my hand up and admit that my house is probably taking too much of my time. And I have been lulled into a bit of a state of maybe apathy or something as well. Um, and I need, I need to fight and struggle against that because I do. It's like trying to keep up with the builder's timelines and everything. I'm putting that as a priority and I haven't been putting the word of the kingdom. Um, and the good outworking of that in my life as a priority. Um, I'm a 1982 baby. Here's that generation talk surfacing again, Parky. Um, and because I'm a 1982 baby, I feel sorry for everyone younger than me because you didn't get to have a cool childhood in the 80s, as much of a cool childhood in the 80s. If you're an 82 model, I'm sorry if you're an 80 model or earlier, then I'm jealous. But anyway, um, but being a 1982 baby, it and having all that radness and radical times of the 80s and everything, it puts me in this weird position somewhere between Gen X and somewhere between sort of Y and the Millennials. Like, sorry, Gen Y and the Millennials, not Y the Millennials. <laughs> That's weird. They're all entitled brats anyway, aren't they? No, no. I love you, my little brothers and sisters. Um, but... When we were, like us early 80s kids, when we were growing up, we were told that we could achieve anything in life, that we were going to change the world. We were, oh, wasn't there even an Eric Clapton song in the 90s that was like, change the world or something? Yeah. Uh, oh, we are the world. That, that might have been in yeah. T, Sally. Was it Michael Jackson? <laughs> was it change the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Yeah, anyway, one of those. But we were, we were told all this, like we were drummed into us, like, you know, we, you're going to change the world, you. You as an individual, you are going to change the world. You, like, you know, you can do anything you want. Like, this is what was drummed into us as kids. And then, and we stood on the doorstep, we were like finishing high school and whatever was right on the doorstep of like the, you know, the information era, you know, computing, the internet, everything was just one, like full blast, it was just going off. And there was so much promise and everything was just like expected of us. And now, as we sort of stroll into and through our 30s, we're realising in light of reality that um, we've failed. 
and that everything that was expected of us is just a pile, it's just a, you know, like a blazing heap, all right? And my reality that I've been struggling with the last couple of years is the fact that um, I'm not going to achieve everything in life that I thought I was 15 or 20 years ago. I'm really not. And if you ask me again in 15, 20 years, I'll, I'll probably be even more behind where I think I am from this point <laughs> in time looking forward. <laughs> um, but this is the thing, this is the problem with focusing too much on like the world's view of success and changing things and changing the world and just being, you know, everything, the world's saviour of our, you know, being the next Elon Musk or, you know, whatever else, you know, compare yourself to whoever. This is the danger with that. And Jesus' words are warning against that, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of chasing after those riches. They're really hard hitting because wealth it promises this kind of like false peace. We think, oh, we've got enough money. We can, our problems can just go away. Okay? And as my career, my career, I'm only really talking from like the early side of middle age. So I know so many of you have way more experience than me and you're probably chuckling. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's so immature. <laughs> but anyway, um, from my perspective, I can tell you that sort of um, setting yourself up um, and chasing riches is sort of like this self-perpetuating snare. Because I don't think I've thought so much about money as I do when I get more of it. Do you know what I mean? Um, sort of like, as, like, if I compare my sort of my prof professional like engineering career now to when I was like a uni bum doing fruit picking and d delivering pizzas for Domino's, um, if I compare the two now, I don't think that I thought about money as much then as I do now. Granted, I know I've got a family and whatever, I've, and responsibilities and things I've got to take care of, but I really don't think I did. Um, like, I think I think about it a lot more now because I have more of it, which is this, it's very, decept very deceptive. It's kind of like chasing that mirage in the desert. You know how you see in comics, there's guys who are almost dying in the desert and there's that, oh, you see, they see like a palm tree and some water and then they scrabble out over there and there's just more desert and then there's, they see another one off and then they, like, they're just dying out of the desert following like something that's false all the time. So all that to say, it's extremely hard to follow Jesus and be rich. All right. So from my, as I said, from my middle-ish sort of life perspective, my... Um, my advice to anybody, my younger brothers and sisters or anybody else, you know, who's starting out sort of in this career or looking to do investments or just eyeing off that next step or whatever, just is to not um, prioritise your life around that chasing of wealth. Um, because Jesus' warning here is that it will grow up to be a weed that is just looking to choke the kingdom word out of you. Okay, just be really careful with that. Wherever you are in life, just don't prioritise yourself and prioritise, you know, chasing investments, chasing money, chasing, you know, that accumulation of wealth. I think I'll just leave that one there. Um, oh, no, I think... The, the worrying thing that I have from this picture is 
the fact that this seem this seems to be, and this is a warning for me. It's a warning for you know Adrian, Rick, you know Tim, Gabe, you know whoever else, whoever takes on any sort of leadership stuff. Um, it's a warning that I think you can even serve your church. You can even be up front. You could be doing like you could be looking great, but um, you could still be weedy soil at at the end. In the end, fails to bear any sort of fruit. That's that's the thing that worries me about this because I've seen you know friends of mine who are who you know they um, seem to love Jesus and they serve their church family so well and everything, but they just on the completely other way. So just lean in and listen to this from Jesus. Like if you're distracted and focusing your energy towards keeping up just those worries in the world, then just just check yourself. Don't fall for this deception of money. And so let's go and look at what soil is meant to do. Verse 23. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. <laughs> so needless to say, this is good soil. It's what we want to be. It's what... There's guys jumping out there. It seems crazy. We want to be that kind of soil. No, like, this is good soil. It's what we want to be where the kingdom words just... You know, the good word of the kingdom comes in and just life just busts out of us, Okay. It's that good, clean, deep, well-watered, well-aerated, fertile soil, okay? Where, where those seeds come in and... What was that, Nolsey? Yeah, yes, exactly. Great picture. Um, this soil is, in, in tying in with what Jesus has said here, he always is, let him hear, this is the soil that does what it's supposed to do. Jesus has said of his truth followers, those who hear my words and... Obey, do them, exactly. Doing is what it is. All right, this is that soil of love, joy, peace, as Nadine was talking about, you know, when we are all sharing earlier, like all those fruits of the Spirit. This represents, this sort of soil represents a person who gets to the end of his life and like, yeah, his career hasn't worked out to be, you know, all that, a bag of potato chips. He doesn't have the greatest group of, you know, business networks and whatever. Yeah, that relationship, it didn't work. Yeah, my body is very sort of average, blah, you know, whatever. It's the person who gets to that point in their life. But, but, I followed Jesus and I became a more loving, gentle man. I followed Jesus and I became a more peaceful and kind woman. I followed Jesus and I became a more understanding, faithful friend. This is that good soil. And yeah, there's different amounts of fruit. Sure, we're all going to produce different amounts of fruit, 30, 60, 100, you know, whatever, but there's still fruit. All right? So let's listen to these words of, of Jesus to just come and examine ourselves and listen to what he said to us. Examine all areas of our life alongside these soil types. Do you have ears? What soil type are you? What soil type are you becoming? 
So let's take heed of those and just work um, and invite change into our life with, through cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So be open to what Jesus is saying to you here. And if you've got ears, hear.